0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning, everybody. This is Sportbox. Here are your Wednesday headlines. Steep losses on Wall Street as the Dow drops more than 400 points and the Nasdaq snaps a six-day winning streak. Uh, Stocks in Asia flat right now. Caution on Capitol Hill. The White House's top virus expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, warned senators reopening the U.S. economy too soon could have dire health and economic consequences.
1: There is a real risk that you will trigger an outbreak you may not be able to control, which in fact, paradoxically, will set you back.
0: Uh, Coronavirus effects way on Commerce Bank, just the early snaps coming through as the bank becomes the last major European financial to report first quarter earnings only days after the planned sale of its Polish subsidiary falls through due to poor market conditions. Will Uber and Grubhub deliver a deal? Sources tell CNBC the ride-hailing company has made an offer to take over its food delivery rival, sending its shares nearly 30% higher, but the price remains a sticking point.
1: And we've got just under one hour to go until we get the latest first quarter GDP number in the United Kingdom. But data out of retail sales shows that it fell around about 19% plus in the month of April.
0: Uh, so, very good morning, everybody. The, um, the news uh, through the last 24 hours, Commerce Bank uh, shelving the sale of this po- Polish business, just um, part of the trail of debris of uncompleted deals that now lies in the wake of this coronavirus story. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment, but I should give you the headlines here on the first quarter earnings. The group delivering revenues at £1.85 billion euros. Uh, The year ago period was 2.16 billion. So it shows you the shortfall. The group says good development in customer business, overall net interest income and net commission income up by 10%, but the effect of coronavirus beginning to weigh on earnings, operating costs down 1.5 billion, but significantly higher bank levy uh, with a negative effect, operating results of minus 277 million. Uh, That includes a 479 million negative impact from the pandemic. Uh, some other lines, strong capital ratio of thirteen point two percent and a high liquidity ratio the lCR in at one hundred and thirty percent so owing to the coronavirus crisis and Commerce Bank pins the blame squarely on the virus, Commerce Bank reporting an operating result of minus two hundred and seventy seven million euros and yet anetta waiting for us there in Frankfurt for a fuller picture on Commerce Bank. This is a bank that has been clawing its way back from very difficult times. Very interesting, I think, in the round that some of these numbers are not too bad and obviously the balance sheet strength is still okay.
2: Yes, it is. Um, Well, if you look at the numbers, they're a little, a tad lower than expectations, but uh, how can you really... um do an accurate forecast in that environment, it's the next question. But if you look ahead, I think we are in for another big round of restructuring or changes for Commerzbank. Bank. They are already pointing at that. They are saying they um, uh, they are actually looking at uh, the the business model, and they are also yeah looking at whether this is um, yeah this is on a sustainable basis going forward. Um, McKinsey is reportedly hired to review the business, and they are doing that until the end of June, especially looking at the main two pillars of the business. Uh, whether this is going, um, this is on a sustainable basis. Last year's target, I don't know if you remember, they have a return on equity target of 4% for the medium term. we not really appreciated too much by major shareholders because they're deemed to be far too low. So I guess Commerzbank will have to have another round of severe cost cutting in order to achieve more uh, higher return on equity targets because the revenue line, they're not expecting an awful lot to develop. They're now saying that assuming the economy will gain momentum after the lockdown lasting two months and there's no second lockdown uh, they're expecting to keep revenues at customer business largely stable in 2020 but if you look at their loan book that's a big question mark whether they can really uh, have a somewhat successful 2020 because they are so much geared towards the german economy and we all know that the uh, economic fallout from the coronavirus crisis is not yet uh, fully clear, but it will be tremendously uh, bad for the German economy, um, with forecasts ranging up to 10%, minus 10% in GDP peak growth, and that, of course, will also have an effect on, on loan books of banks. So, BaFin yesterday came out also with a statement saying, like, the banks will weather the storm somewhat, but they will be bruised afterwards after the coronavirus. So, all in all, bottom line, Commerzbank earnings for the first quarter, not too bad, revenues, I don't know what that actually means means because they had an accounting effect in the revenues Um, at 1.85. It was uh, expected 1.9. So we have to look into that. And the operating result is a bit lower than expected, but not like a big shocker. But they are also lowering their their capital ratio target, just uh, as a last word for me. But that back to you.
0: Terrific, Annette. Thank you so much for that. And we're going to talk some more about the state of the European banks and get a view on the German constitutional court ruling against the ECB. It is an enormous story with a great deal of importance for the direction for the European economies. Andreas Dombrecht will join us, former member of the executive board at the Deutsche Bundesbank. That interview, nine thirty Central European Time. Um, let's have a look at some uh, TUI numbers, and I'll, I'll preface this by just pointing out that the CEO is still optimistic that we will get some kind of summer travel season here in Europe and around the world. The CEO says demand for holidays is still very high and people want to travel. The CEO says summer holidays are possible this year with clear rules and safety measures. The holiday season will start later in 2020, but more optimism, it could last longer. Well, what would you expect the CEO of a travel company to tell you at this point? And we hope that the CEO's forecasts turn out to be true. The numbers, though, first half group loss, 845.8 million. The year ago loss for the same period was 289.1 million. The uh, group loss widens then significantly. The group says underlying EBIT down uh, 512 million euros uh, on the prior year. The uh, group says it cannot provide guidance for its 2020 financial year, says currently 35% of 2020 summer programme is still booked. The group says cost-cutting could impact 8,000 roles globally that will either be not recruited or will be reduced and uh, they are implementing cost cutting by, with an aim to reduce the overhead cost base by 30%. So in the round, of course, the, the numbers are horrible. Um, these are not good figures, but the company saying it is still optimistic that there is an opportunity, that there will be a late summer season for Europe and elsewhere. California Governor Gavin Newsom has announced the state is entering phase two of its lockdown easing plan. The move will see more workers return to the office and dine-in services at some restaurants and mouths will reopen for pickups or takeaways. But California State University, the U.S.'s largest public university system has announced all classes at its campuses are cancelled for the fall semester, or the autumn term, uh, with all courses conducted online. The top US infectious disease expert Though has issued a dire warning to Congress, saying the virus will spread if the country opens up too soon. Speaking before a Senate committee hearing, Dr. Anthony Fauci added the US death toll is probably higher than the official figure of 80,000 and has urged states not to relax restrictions until they know they can handle the inevitable rise in COVID cases.
1: There is a real risk. That you will trigger an outbreak that you may not be able to control, which in fact, paradoxically will set you back, not only leading to some suffering and death that could be avoided, but could even set you back on the road to trying to get economic recovery.
0: And that's really the issue that the markets are struggling with at the moment because even as as there is this enthusiasm about the prospect of reopening economies and getting earnings flowing again, there is the advice from some areas of the medical profession suggesting that if you move too quickly, you will get these second clusters that we've seen in China, in Germany and in other countries. So this is where we are in terms of the current state of play for the Asian session. And in spite of us having a, a reasonable bounce here on uh, oil prices, there are a lot of issues that are just denting that buy on the dip enthusiasm at the moment. And on top of those questions around the virus infections and reopening too quickly, there is this running saw of the worsening China relationship and President Trump talking now about Pulling uh, some investments into Chinese assets by uh, federal pension funds. We'll tell you a little bit more about that story as we go through the morning here. But let's just roll the roll, roll the boards and have a look at the U.S. futures. We started the U.S. futures in negative territory. The numbers have improved a little. But I have to say, we are still, as you can see from the board, uh, indicated to open in negative territory as far as the Dow Jones is concerned. Um, Stanley Druckenmiller is a man that you listen to when he talks. The legendary investor told the Economic Club of New York on Tuesday, the stock market is historically overvalued. Perhaps people are beginning to listen to some of these old sages No offence intended, uh, Mr Druckenmiller, but you have been around in these markets, so maybe people should listen to what you have to say. The risk reward for equity is maybe as bad as I've seen it in my career, said Stanley Druckenmiller, although... The wild card, of course, is the Fed can always step in to buy assets. And, of course, there was a lot of speculation yesterday about exactly where the Fed's corporate bond ETF program money is being injected in the market, which leads us neatly then into a quick look at the Treasuries and the way the market is trading around the Treasuries at the moment, given this Federal Reserve largesse is very evident. Um, something just to keep your eye on I think is is the employment data and th- how that bleeds into the whole idea of where rates ultimately have to go. There is this battle between those who think that that yields should be going higher as there is this flood of new issuance coming to the market and those who feel the yields could be going lower here as perhaps the Fed is forced inexorably to consider negative interest rates. But we'll talk some more about that in just a second. Let's talk about the supply issue for a moment. US House Democrats have unveiled a new $3 trillion coronavirus relief package. That bill includes funding for food assistance and state and local government, as well as another round of direct payments to individuals. Lawmakers are expected to vote on the bill on Friday. Speaking to our U.S. colleagues, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said she remains optimistic, despite Republican senators making it clear that they will reject that legislation.
2: This is a negotiation. We think this is what is necessary to meet the needs of the American people. All of these provisions have have a provenance in our former four bills that passed in a bipartisan way. All of them are supported by Democrats and Republicans across the country.
0: President Donald Trump has once again made the case for negative rates on Twitter, saying the U.S. should, quote, accept the gift that other countries are already receiving. But Fed Chairman Jerome Powell is expected to oppose the idea and dampen market speculation when he speaks later today in a webcast hosted by the Peterson Institute. Wall Street started pricing in negative rates for the first time ever last week with the Fed Fund futures predicting they will fall just below zero by June 2021. The Bank of England's Deputy Governor Ben Broadbent has told CNBC more central bank stimulus may be needed to combat the virus crisis, but urged caution on lowering rates into negative territory. We keep under review all our potential policy tools. Um, This is a question that's been thought about, I should say, on and off you know, since the financial crisis, and it's a balanced judgment whether, if you cut rates beyond some limit, you actually risk doing more harm than good, um, because with deposit rates floored, you 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 contract the the margins for banks, and may even, in the limit, encourage them to uh, or risk encouraging them to reduce lending rather than to increase it. So these are the balanced judge the balance questions
2: the committee has to think
0: about uh, and let's just throw into the mix here we had st louis fed president uh, bullard jim bullard reported as stating that negative rates in the united states would be problematic um, steve i thought it was a terrific interview with mr broadbent yesterday and a salutary reminder to the market that negative rates are not actually a free lunch for the economy
1: I don't understand negative rates. I never have done Jeff. Uh, It forces people who hold cash to go out and spend it. It doesn't force lenders to lend money at a negative rate to people as well. Uh, and What it does also, as I think uh, people have been referring to in the US as well, it, it destroys a banking model. And if you destroy the banking model, do you destroy the, bank, the transmission mechanism uh, getting cash into the economy as well? So I think there are, there are so many issues about negative rates. Many of them are way above my pay grade. Does anybody know anyone out there who has lent money at a negative rate? Now, we see interest-free credit, we see very low loans on cars. We're going to see a lot more of that as the economy starts to recover. But does anyone ever see money being lent at a negative rate? They don't. Uh, And that's the point. So is this all about financing governments? is this actually about financing spendthrift governments who have to be spendthrift at the moment uh, because, of course, they are spending so much money on X, Y, Z. And this is what, one of the issues I raised with uh, Ben Broadbent yesterday. He was quite quick to rebuff what I was saying by saying, look, are you talking about raising your QE to sponsor a government which is spending a vast amount of money and, as such, uh, damaging the potential independence of the Bank of England? And of course, he refuted that as well. But I'm trying to work out... Who are the beneficiaries of negative rates? As far as I can see, what it benefits is potentially government uh, and forces other people, into, as we know, uh, in some form of financial repression. Jeff, I don't know if you've got an angle I'm missing here.
0: Well, there is the I mean, there is the obvious inflation point and the point that the MMT crowd will throw up constantly. And that is that if you have no inflation and the risk is deflation, then you continue to make money readily available and you continue to lower the cost of that money to anybody who wants it because there is no risk that it will create inflation. And we know inflation is a very th- difficult thing to deal with, but while we're in a situation where, where the world needs money and we need um, ultimately to try to protect businesses and industries and consumers, what's the argument against it? And that, that's the countervailing point here that why not, if you can, given the circumstances.
1: Okay, 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 here's two points then. One, let's look at the experiment of negative rates over uh, since QE, has it created inflation? Has has Mr. Kuroda got to his inflationary level? Has Europe got to its inflationary level? Absolutely not. So the evidence is, since in the last 10 years, where negative rates have been tried, it hasn't created that inflation. The other point is the Sparkassen argument as well. And all our friends over in Germany uh, know this full very well. If you give people negative rates on accounts as well, does that make you go out and spend more money because you've lost your income? Or does it make you think, crikey, I better go and save a bit more because I've just lost my income? Personally, if it was me, it's the latter, i.e. if you take away my income, my interest rate that I have got on deposit because I've managed to sort away some money, does that encourage me to go and spend more money? I, I don't understand where the argument is from the NMT crowd, as you say.
0: Yeah, and there is the additional um, Austrian perspective, and we'll just throw this in here, that if you take money to the point where it begins to lose its value, then anybody that has valuable services or property to transact in return will refuse to do so. So as as you make the point there about how it can actually work opposite to how it's meant to, that it can dissuade banks and others from engaging in economic activity, there is that greater risk that it also dissuades people from wanting to transact with paper money that we ultimately get a complete collapse in the financial system. I don't think we're looking at anything like that at the moment, but if you continue to take liberties with debt and the value of cash, then ultimately Mm. people begin to lose confidence in that cash.
1: And has that free money, has that been used to create economic activity? Has it been used for capital spend on companies? No. Let's be honest about it. Let's use the example that you and I particularly have railed against for the last 10 years. And this is this ridiculous money uh, of using it, of raising vast amounts of debt to do what? To create economic activity? To create plant? To create capital? No, to buy back your shares. Well, how are they looking for most companies now? Probably not looking too clever at the moment, are they?
0: Terrific, Steve. We've got to wrap it up. Uh, they're pushing me to move on here in the gallery, so we'll come back to the conversation. We could spend hours on this one. I know the pair of us. Uh, but anyway, let's move on. Cleveland Federal Reserve President Loretta Mester will be speaking to our US colleagues at 2030 CET. The Trump administration has ordered the government's main federal retirement fund to stop investing in Chinese companies. The White House's intervention comes as the Thrift Savings Plan, a fund for federal staff and military personnel prepares to track its international investments to a world MSCI index that includes Chinese components in a letter to the funds board. Hardliners, including Labour Secretary Eugene Scalia and Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow, said the move would pose a national security risk and potentially even break US sanctions.
1: Well traditionally on your birthday you get given gifts but actually on the Chancellor of the Exchequer's birthday yesterday he handed out quite a big gift to 7.5 million people. We'll discuss that and what is expected to be a dismal first print of UK first quarter GDP. We'll give you that after a very short break here on Scorebox.
0: The UK economy is forecast to have contracted 2.5% in the first quarter, a period that partially includes the government-enforced lockdown. That would be the biggest drop in economic activity in the UK since 1974. Uh, Steve, let's bring you back into this conversation. I don't think anybody's expecting a good number today here in the UK. But um, how's the government going to improve these figures with its lockdown news?
1: Do you know, it's really interesting. I had George Buckley on after me uh, on Capital Connection, and I was quite dismissive about the importance of the first quarter figure. But George was quite interesting, and he was saying, No, I do think this is a very valuable number because it shows where we were before the full lockdown as well. Just to cut it short, yeah, somewhere between 1.6 and 3%, it seems to be where the mean is for the first quarter. Abysmal figures, as we were saying as well. But when we've already had Bank of England and OBR estimates for the second quarter of between 25% lower and 35% lower, and for the year down to 14%, I kind of think that the first quarter number. Almost comically, it's going to pale into insignificance. But, but let's, let's talk about the UK economy because there's so much going on. I'll, I'll first of all, um, actually, I'll tell you what I'll do. Why don't we talk about what Rishi Sunak did as well yesterday? Because I thought that was fascinating that, and it's just insulating the British economy, but creating problems for thee and me and the rest of the British taxpayer further down the line as well. But first of all, the extension of the furlough scheme, much surprised many people because we were expecting uh, a curtailment of some of the terms. Let's listen to Mr Sunak and then we'll talk about what's going on.
0: The job retention scheme will be extended for four months until the end of october by that point we will have provided eight months of support to british people and businesses until the end of july there will be no changes whatsoever then from august to october the scheme will continue for all sectors and regions of the uk But with greater flexibility to support the transition back to work. Employers currently using the scheme will be able to bring furloughed employees back part time. And we will ask employers to start sharing with the government the cost of paying people's salaries. Full details will follow by the end of May.
1: It's one of the most generous uh, furlough stroke Kurtz Arbeit schemes in Europe as well. But they decided to carry on. The unions, not surprisingly, Franco Grady from TUC, really happy about it as well, thought it was a welcome extension. Problem is, supporting one million businesses and seven and a half million workers is going to cost up until the end of this thing. They reckon about £60 billion. Uh, And they were talking about the UK deficit figures yesterday. It was a leaked Treasury document. It was going to be 55 billion deficit this year. They reckon it's now going to be somewhere in the region, just there or thereabouts, and 337 billion pounds. Who's going to pay for that? It's going to be taxpayers eventually as well. So when that comes down the pipe, it's going to be devastating for many people uh, in work and their household finances as well. There's going to be a lot of uh, cuts in spending as well. So goodness knows how, how this is going to be squared in the medium term. And I do worry about my children and grandchildren's future on this one as well. But you talked about the unlocking of the economy from today. Well, I think that's spurious, Jeff. I really do. You know, I've been out and about as you have for the last nine or 10 weeks. But yesterday, I tried to find a camera point on the South Bank of the Thames. And I'll just get out of the way a little bit, as I'm saying this, because I went down from Battersea all the way through Nine Elms, past the US Embassy, which is that square block there, down to Vauxhall. And do you know, I could not move I could not move for construction. I could not move for construction workers everywhere. And every street I went down thinking, oh, Mike and I will find a camera point. Uh, we'll, we'll park up here. and There was nowhere to park. It was construction lorries and vehicles and surveyors and brickies and sparkies and, uh, and chippies back to back. And this activity was going on left, right and centre. Thousands of units there. So my point is, Jeff, this big announcement that we're back to work today many people were back to work a long time ago as well. So how are they going to flog this lot? That's another issue. And that's actually quite an important segue to my next point, which is the housing market. Apparently, uh, he's got the green light to go ahead. Robert Jenrick was talking about this, where he's the housing minister. New regulations today for buyers and renters. They can now view physically. They can arrange removals, move home, a stage agent surveys, builders. They can all get back legal professionals. They've got a new framework, of course, with uh, proper distancing in place as well. So it'd be very interesting to see what the housing market looks like because there's all kinds kinds of apocalyptic estimates. I mean, I've seen 5% down. I've seen 15% down. I've seen one estimate says 10% lower a year, pretty much, for the next three years. So there is a lot of activity going on. How it goes next is anyone's guess as well. But I'd say a lot of wealth of data. And of course, we've had those retail sales figures as well. And they were suitably dismal, Jeff.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more
1: market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.